The Spirit of Intimacy, Ancient African Teachings and the Ways of Relationships by Sobonfu Some, narrated by Kisha. Chapter 3, The Embrace of Community. Community is the spirit, the guiding light of the tribe, whereby people come together in order to fulfill a specific purpose, to help others fulfill their purpose, and to take care of one another. The goal of the community is to make sure that each member of the community is heard and is properly giving the gifts he has brought to this world. Without this giving, the community dies. And without the community, the individual is left without a place where he can contribute. The community is that grounding place where people come and share their gifts and receive from others. When you don't have community, you are not listened to. You don't have a place you can go to and feel that you really belong. You don't have people to affirm who you are and to support you in bringing forward your gifts. This disempowers the psyche, making you vulnerable to consumerism and all the things that come along with it. Also, it leaves many people who have wonderful contributions to make holding back their gifts, not knowing where to put them. And without the unloading of our gifts, we experience a blockage inside, which affects us spiritually, mentally, and physically in many different ways. We are left without a home to go to when we need to be seen. One of the principles of the Tagara concept of a relationship is that it's not private. When we talk about our relationship in the village, the word our is not limited to two. And this is why we find it pretty hard to live in a relationship in a modern culture that is lacking true community. In the absence of community, two people are forced to say this relationship is ours, when in fact a community should be claiming ownership. The absence of a true community leaves a couple totally responsible for themselves and anything else around them. It narrows down their ways of getting needs met so that their relationship becomes their community. And if it is not able to fulfill this role, then the individuals begin to feel like a failure. 
It affects the psyche so dramatically that they feel there's no place for them. What they thought was their support group, their partnership, is unable to satisfy their needs. It's very strange to regard two people as a community. Where is everybody else? On my first visit home after moving to the United States, I told my mother, just Maladoma and I lived in this house. She thought I was the craziest person she'd seen. To her, living like this is inconceivable. It means that there isn't any kind of outside energy coming to give support and strength to our relationship and that we are basically left on our own to figure things out, which is absolutely impossible. You know, with one person, it's hard to see very far. Two people, you can see a little more. But if you have a whole group of people around really caring about you and telling you, you are doing the right thing. We want you to be around. Give us your gifts. It helps you fulfill your purpose. Even the most stubborn people will get beyond their stubbornness in order to work on their life purpose. But with just two people, it's really too much to ask. Or even with the nuclear family. In my own marriage, I bring as many people as I can into the relationship. We also get back home as much as possible. How do we bring more people in? We constantly monitor the relationship and, through ritual, create community to give us the support we need. This fuels us so that we can continue what we are doing here. When there are collisions in my marriage, I call upon this community. I know that without their help, the fire of our relationship might have been extinguished. Here in the West, we may never have the kind of community we had back in Africa, but at least we can have a sense of it by allowing friends to be part of what we are doing. Fifteen minutes of communication with others can help in a deep way to make up for a lack of community. Friends and family provide you with a container, a safe container where you can go if you need support, if you need help with ritual, if you need somebody to give you a hug, if you need to talk to somebody and get another perspective on something. You are free to do whatever you want with the advice they give you, but it helps to bring the spirits of other people into your life. It gives you many more eyes to see and helps overcome limitations. Sometimes you will be spiritually blind to something, and a friend can be aware of that very thing. If you don't reach out to friends and family, your reality can become pretty limited with the input of these people. It widens. With the input of these people, it widens. Hmm. Friends and family can also take away from intimate relationships. The blessing of the family is very important when it comes to intimacy. But if there are unresolved issues in one's family, it can affect the life of a person, even in an intimate space with somebody else. When couples don't get the blessing of the community, most of the time it will create a vacuum that you have to work hard to compensate for or heal. 
Many people have divorced simply because of the pressure from the community, family, or friends who did not support the marriage or even have a spiritual understanding of the relationship. It's hard for a relationship to survive without that support. Some couples stay together, but it takes a toll. Take, for instance, somebody who is in a relationship and needs friends or family to do a ritual for her, or to simply hear her, but doesn't have access to them. Who can she turn to? Therapy is good, but it can only take you so far. It's really hard for therapists to compensate for everything. When you don't have a community of friends and family involved in a relationship, it makes you base all your intimate expectations on your marriage. And that is really hard. That is too much to ask of any one relationship. Of course, your partner is your friend and family, but to receive everything from that person is absolutely impossible. When people get their friends and family involved, they can make intimacy work. But people, you know, they think things are private and that they have to keep everything to themselves. Keeping everything private usually kills a relationship. Most of the time, our crises are not complicated. When we keep them private, they grow fatter every day and then start to strangle us. So we must be open to the other people in order for our relationships to work. I notice that many people who are in women's groups, for instance, or men's groups, are able to put aside fear of, of talking with others about their problems. And I think this is good. Problems in relationships will always be with us, but to let fear of sharing threaten your future is ridiculous. People in the West can create a sense of community in their cities, just as people in West Africa have. They can do this by providing one another with continuous support. Each of us needs something to hang on to. That's why you have all these small communities here and there, a group of women working on social issues, a group of men, and all these small groups pursuing a common goal. They are attempts to recreate a piece of that greater community that used to be and that has been destroyed. The only difference is that most of these communities don't focus on spirit. They tend to leave spirit outside of their activity, which is a mistake. It's another way of saying, we are in control, when in fact, a true community must be based on spirit. Spirit should be the leader and the guide for everybody in a community. One can argue that churches constitute such a community in the West. That would be the case if there were a way for churches to empower individuals. Then we would begin to approach the kind of community we are talking about with the village. But people do not go to church to reaffirm that spirit is inside them and that everyone is directly connected to spirit. You won't find a church where everyone gives out the Eucharist to one another. It may be hard for people who have lived all their life in the West to regard everything they own as belonging to the whole community, but this is the case in the village. As a result, each person in the village contributes to the well-being of others. When you have a child, for instance, it's not just your child, it's the child of the community. From birth onward, the mother is not the only one who is responsible for a child. 
Anyone else can feed and nurture the child. If another woman has a baby, she can even breastfeed any child, and it's perfectly all right. Sometimes, when a mother wants to see her child, she can't because so many people are caring for him. I remember I used to trick my sisters all the time. I would go and get their children and disappear with them for a long time. My sisters would be wondering where the kids were, but they knew that they were in safe hands. When you get married in this kind of context, it's not only you who gets married, it's the whole tribe. Every single person in that tribe, in that village, in your family, is going to get married that day. You are the one giving them the opportunity to do that. And so people in the village will say, I'm getting married on such and such day, even though it's someone else's actual wedding. If a child grows up with the idea that mom and dad are her or his only community, then when she has a problem, if the parents cannot fix it, she doesn't have anybody else to turn to. The parents alone are responsible for whoever the child becomes. And this is a little bit too much to ask of just two people. And many times, only one person is left to serve as parent. Giving a child a broader sense of community helps her not to rely on one person. Then the child can go to a person of her choice, and if that person cannot fix her problem, she can go to somebody else. Because we are human beings, we are restricted as to what we can do or give. So in raising children, we definitely need the support of other people. It's like we say in the village, it takes a whole village to raise a child. It's also true to say, it takes a whole village to keep Parents, same. When couples have children without a community to support them, they don't have much time to work out whatever is going on between themselves. And so things pile up, and when their children are gone, they suddenly realize that there is a, this mountain of things that has not been dealt with for years. And so they start to dig in, and when they cannot resolve their problems, you know what people do. They leave without even saying goodbye. A lot of people divorce after their children leave home. I think the absence of community support in child rearing is one of the main causes. How can we move toward a more sane family structure or relationship structure? The main thing I see at this point is community. Building communities where you can trust one another, where you can help a mother who is crying because she has a child who is crying and she doesn't know what to give her. You know, in the village, when you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is to go outside. But here, one day, I was sitting all day inside without going out. And it occurred to me that this was the first time in my life I'd ever done that, except when I wasn't feeling well. To get up in the morning and not go out among people is absolutely inconceivable to someone, somebody in the village. Because when you stay all day inside, it means that something isn't going right with you, and people worry about you. And so we can begin by going outside talking to our neighbors, and helping each other out. 
It's small steps like this. It's like what we say. If you have a baby, you don't throw her away because she, she's small. You keep her and keep nurturing her, knowing that one day she's going to be a grown-up. So these are the kinds of smart things we can do. Nurturing many small relationships so that one day community can happen. In the village, people cannot believe that just Maladoma and I live in a whole house. It's completely inconceivable. They wonder why we have a whole house, especially when I tell them that it is really big compared with the houses we have in the village. It's really huge, I told my mother. And she just shook her head and said, what are you doing this for? I explained to her that everybody has his own place and there's no village to go to. There's no family where we live, I told her. You might want to come and live with me. And she said, no, not under those conditions. It is as difficult for indigenous people to conceive of life without a community as it is for most Westerners to imagine life in a community. To create a community that will work for people here, there is a need to look carefully at some of the fundamentals of a healthy community. Spirit, children, elders, responsibility, gift-giving, accountability, ancestors, and ritual. These elements form the base of a community. And it doesn't have to start with a lot of people. I'd rather have a circle of a few good friends and be a community with them than just get lost in a crowd of people who don't care at all. Intimacy, the natural attraction of two human beings to each other, is something that the elders say is actually prompted by spirit. And spirit brings people together in order to give them the opportunity to grow together. That growth is directly connected to the gifts that two people are capable of providing to the village. And this is why. When a couple is in trouble, the whole village is in trouble. People in the village will involve themselves in the problems of a couple and dissect them and make sure that they fix them because their interests are at risk. So community support is not entirely altruistic. People are not necessarily coming to help the couple. They are coming to help themselves. If a couple is in trouble, those around them may not get what they need. When we start to feel a problem, we tend to think it's just two people who are involved and we forget about the fact that spirit is there. We tend to forget that we have allies who can bring us strength. We forget to ask for help from friends or family members. In the village, it's easier for people 
because every morning when you wake up, somebody will come and ask you, did you hear something sweet last night? And if you remain silent or you say no, then the person will get worried because something is wrong. If you didn't hear something good, it means that something sour must have taken the place of the good. Then they will get to the bottom of that problem before it gets out of control. It's not surprising every morning to see women just gather and start to talk about things and, if need be, go toward the bushes and start to walk away from the compound because there is something that needs to be taken care of. This reminds me of the importance that gender plays in relationships. Without help from people of the same gender, it's pretty hard to maintain a balance in your relationship. A woman should not expect her husband to take the place of her woman friends and to care for her in the same way. Similarly, a man should not expect his wife to take the place of male friends. Being a woman does not mean you have nothing to do with masculine energy. Similarly, being a man does not mean you have nothing to do with the feminine. Vaginas and penises are not the only things that define our sexual nature. Our lives are influenced by the presence within us of both feminine and masculine energies. It is important that these energies maintain harmony within us. There are things that men do in order to nourish what they call their female self and things that women have to do in order to nourish their male self. In the village, once a year, men who have gone through initiation together meet at the same spot where they were initiated and have a ritual that looks something like mothering. Their behavior is a kind of strict male-to-male -male emotional exchange. There's something about it that breaks down the narcissistic feeling that comes with managing responsibilities. Even though it's not a funeral, where men, women, and children can cry together, the men cry as much as they want. There's a need to reawaken the part of the self that is in touch with emotion, and this ritual allows them to do so without waiting until somebody dies. There is a caretaker. There is a caretaking, not prescribed, but a random caretaking that goes on. Someone, because of inner pressure of some sort, will break down, and someone else will take care of him. And while taking care of him, the caretaker too is going to break down, and someone is going to come and join them. So it becomes a continuous support and nurturing ritual. It makes it easier for some reason when the men come back for them to stop feeling that they have to invoke some kind of control within the ritual space of intimacy. In other words, when the sense of responsibility and of being a man in the community stops overwhelming someone who has participated in this ritual, the circle of intimacy they create with their partner becomes closer to what spirit wants. The belief is that the male tends to put on his warrior mode even in the ash circle of intimacy. When that warrior self has not been tamed by some kind of motherly energy, it is almost impossible for a man to engage in intimate relations with his partner. In the village, in order for the feminine and the masculine energies to live harmoniously, women and men must commit themselves to work at balancing their sexual energies. When their energy dominates, 
When either energy dominates, it becomes overpowering and can threaten the stability of the village. For this reason, women not only gather up on a yearly basis with their initiation sisters, but they also get together as often as they can and go to a cave or go to the bush. There, we do a set of rituals in order to build our masculine energy by acting out our rage and anger and by taking on men's roles. Then we go hunting, even though killing is not the emphasis of the ritual, because women usually do not kill in the village. It allows women to be outwardly. This is usually followed by the warrior's dance that young men learn while being initiated into manhood. All women dress like men throughout the duration of the ritual. Some women wear beards and mustaches. Usually the pure, the female father is there. Usually the puree, the female father is there and she will ensure that the masculine energy is being built. If you did not know her beforehand, you would think that she was a man. The tone of her voice, the look of her eyes, and everything else about her carries masculine energy. One by one, the women go to her. First, there is a foot-to-foot -foot connection, then a head-to-head -head connection. This helps to seal the experience. When we go back home, there is a small welcoming ritual. We are all received into our homes in such a way that we don't start to build upon our renewed masculine energy and become completely masculine nor do we go back to being completely in the feminine energy. We accept the tradition that women must work with women in order to build a feminine identity and that men must work with men in order to build a masculine identity. This way, when a man and women come together, they are better able to relate to each other. There is something in the indigenous world that compels gender groups to get together in order to work certain things out. I see similar practices in the West in what is called feminism and in the men's movement. These are ways for women and men to better their relationships, not only with their gender, but also with the other sex. You will notice in many villages in Africa that during the days women are all together, men are also Men are all together also. This is not the sexiest practice. <laughs> this is not a sexist practice. It's just for that some reason, there's a feeling that a clear sense of otherness is essential to a harmonious coming together with your mate. Today, we are not called upon to wage war with the opposite gender. We need to embrace the new millennium with a brand new eye, a new heart, one that allows for mutual respect. Women and men live their own mysteries, and neither gender will ever fully grasp the other. The model of the village is not there to encourage sexism, nor to make men and women the same, but to create an environment in which both genders appreciate and honor the other. That is the completion of chapter three, The Embrace of Community, from the book, The Spirit of Intimacy, Ancient African Teachings in the Ways of Relationships, by Sobon Fusome, narrated by Keisha.